Welcome to Voices from the Cathedral, a podcast that brings you sermons, discussions, and other performances from the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. On Sunday, September 16th, the Right Reverend Clifton Daniel III, Dean of the Cathedral, preached on the 17th Sunday after Pentecost, Proper 19, Year B. Today's Gospel, Peter asks a question that is eternal. He looks at Jesus in response to Jesus' question. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then immediately backs up. And then Jesus uh, responds in the Greek, the, the words are not quite as, uh, what shall I say, polite as get behind me, Satan. You can use your imagination, uh, but they're not words I want to use in the pulpit. So the question is, how do we gain, how do we gain, like Peter did, through our lives, how do we gain the courage, the will, the strength to say, you, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I know in the news this week, there's been a great deal about Hurricane Florence and uh, the states of North Carolina and South Carolina. I grew up in the eastern part of North Carolina along the coast and so I know something about hurricanes. And I can tell you that first of all, hurricane season, which begins June the 1st, is a time of constant and ongoing anxiety, even at a low level. Hurricane season goes from June the 1st through October 30, and we have just passed the statistical peak of the hurricane season on September 13th. But the anxiety, which is low level until September, begins to rise more and more and more until, until either a hurricane comes or it doesn't. We all know that whenever the weather person says there's a tropical wave off the coast of Africa, we know that might be the big one. When hurricanes, when especially Florence, nears the coast, it's, it's sort of like New York when two inches of snow is forecast. There's panic in the streets, grocery stores are emptied, and everybody goes home, shuts the doors, draws the curtains, and waits. Suddenly, in the midst of that anxiety of impending crisis, prayer becomes an attractive alternative. The first prayer that many people pray is the prayer, is the prayer to be spared the difficulty, whatever it may be. Pat Robinson on television, the TV evangelist, puts up a prayer shield to protect Norfolk where he lives, 
and then he prays that God will direct the storm away from Norfolk, which sometimes happens. But the trouble with that prayer is that the storm goes somewhere else and somebody else suffers. So that's not a particularly effective strategy. I don't think that praying, I don't think that praying for someone else to suffer in my place is very Christian anyway. The second line of prayer when facing a crisis is, or facing a hurricane, are like the most, are, are, are the most panicked prayers. Bargaining. Oh God, if you will do this for me, if you will remove this barrier, get me over this hurdle, steer this storm away, then I promise you, God, if you spare me, spare my family, my golf cart, my baseball game, I'll do, I'll never, I'll never eat another donut. I promise, I promise, I promise. Or there are threatening prayers to God in the face of a hurricane. If you let this happen, I'll never go to church again. Now this is the safest prayer because no matter what happens, uh, you're going to win either way. So there are prayers. They're either bargaining or threatening with God. They're all pretty predictable responses to the threat of a storm, but hurricanes aren't the only kinds of storms to elicit these prayers. There are life storms. A person loses their job, a marriage dissolves, I may fail the big, big exam, I was passed over for the big promotion, a beloved friend dies, and so on. So what do we fall back on when wheedling, promising, or threatening doesn't work with God? What happens when our wishes for God to work his divine magic are dashed? Well, they're rather rooted in Peter's response. If one's only picture of God is similar to the Wizard of Oz, who parades as a frightening potentate before he is revealed to be a very little man with a big voice, if that is our picture of God in the midst of crisis, then all our prayers all our prayers of manipulation and begging for magic and promising will be for naught. And our faith will be rocked when we learn that God will not act and does not act in magical or manipulative ways. So when we're afraid and when we are threatened in life, where, where is there in the Christian faith to fall back on? Peter discovered this when he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. There are two places. We have to fall back on confidence and trust. Christians, Jews, 
have confidence that while evil is very real, it is ultimately God who both creates and sustains all that exists in the universe, even evil. Now evil is real, and evil wreaks terrible violence in human life, and evil must be taken seriously in human life and dealt with and confronted. But ultimately, evil is not in control. It is God who creates the, the whole universe and all, the, all its people who inhabit that universe and gives us meaning and purpose. That is the confidence that is strong enough to weather the crisis and endure the storm. It is to that confidence and into that confidence that Peter grew throughout his whole life of following Jesus patiently. The second place we go in the face of crisis has to be trust. We can trust. We can trust that what Jesus said about himself and what Peter proclaims in the gospel is true. We can trust that. Jesus is the son of the living God. You see, we're not given the choice of neutrality toward Jesus. We can think of Jesus in a lot of ways, but we can't be neutral toward him. Either we take Jesus for who he says he is, the Savior, or we put him into the category of a person who believes he is Napoleon. There really isn't any other choice. Christianity bets, Christianity bets that, that Christians bet that their, li in their life, that Jesus' words are true and can be trusted confidently. Confidence and trust are the foundations of a life of faith. They're not the sure cure for every ill or the escape chute from every difficulty. A life not free of conflict, pain, difficulty, or sorrow, all those are part of our life. But confidence and trust in Jesus is a life that has confidence in a divine person that is larger than any storm that comes. A person who follows Jesus weaves that confidence and trust in Jesus' words and his person into the very warp and woof of our life. Trust that ultimately Jesus will bring us to the fulfillment of God's plan and that we are safe. These are tapestries on both sides. They're Mortlake tapestries. They tell a beautiful story on the front side, Jesus in the temple teaching. But if you turn them over, and look at the backside. 
They are only vague outlines of a picture. They're threads running everywhere randomly, no pattern. They're knots and gnarls. And you can't make sense of what you're looking at. It's rather a metaphor, rather a metaphor for God's action in the world and in your life and in my life. All we can see now, all we can see now is the random random messiness of the weaving. We're looking at the backside of the tapestry. We see broken threads and knotted clumps. We see no rhythm. We can make no sense of what we're looking at. But our confidence and our trust is in, in God is that when all is finally revealed, when Jesus returns, and claims the universe and you and me for his own, and the tapestry of God's plan is turned around so that we can see God's work in its completed state. And what we will see is God's steady and loving hand at work through our trials and our tribulations, and that now, our trust and confidence in God's goodness and steady caring is not, never was, never will be for naught when we see the whole picture of what God is up to. We can be confident, we can trust in that divine promise. That promise will carry us through this life and it will carry us into the blessed company of those who gather round God's throne and sing songs of thanksgiving eternally. Who do you say that Jesus is? Thanks for listening to Voices from the Cathedral. The Cathedral of St. John the Divine is a cathedral of the Episcopal Diocese of New York. It is chartered as a house of prayer for all people and a unifying center of intellectual light and leadership. People from many faiths and communities gather here to worship together, provide meals for the hungry, educate our youth, and host concerts, exhibitions, performances, and civic gatherings. You can find us online at stjohndivine.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at stjohndivineNYC. That's S-T-J-O-H-N-N-Y-C. Check back soon for another episode.